A 2014 study found that an internet delay of just 1.2 seconds can make people perceive you as less friendly. Just let that sink in for a second. Because of a small tech delay, you as a person, as a human, can be interpreted as being less nice. And so in a new world where we're all having online affairs with Zoom, it's never been more important for us to know how to read people and how people read us. Understanding what signals we are giving the person at the other end of the computer can be the difference between nailing that job interview or being unemployed, between finding a love interest or staying single, between connecting deeply with someone or appearing disconnected from them completely. But don't fret, today's guest, founder of The Science of People, a human behavior research lab whose mission it is to crack the code of human behavior, is here to teach us how to do just that. The lead human investigator, she is here to tell us exactly what our video backgrounds, framing, facial expression, body language say about us, but just as importantly guys, what it says about them. The author of the national best-selling book Captivate, a book that was chosen by Apple as one of the most anticipated books of the year, the ever-captivating my homie Vanessa Van Edwards. Yay! Thank you for having me. Go <laughs> give me a round of applause. <laughs> Which I I just did that. <laughs> Which I freaking love. But that's why I love you. Everything you see, everything you do is so 100% transparent, authentic. You can you call yourself like the recovering awkward person. I mean, you just own all of it, which I freaking love. You know, like, I have to say, like, I went through a, probably a decade of cover-up, of, like, trying to hide and trying to pretend and trying to fake it. And it was exhausting. I, I actually finally was like, I'm going to just be transparent because I'm too tired to fake it. <laughs> and who knew? Who knew that would be a game changer in my career and my relationships? Like, I wish I could tell you. I woke up one morning, I had a Brene Brown moment, and I decided I'm going to embrace my vulnerability. I'm going to be transparent. But I was so tired of trying to hide my awkwardness. Mm. I was so tired of trying to pretend being an extrovert to be likable. And so I was like, I'm done. I, I'm just done. And I think that that came from this weird cycle. I don't know if this ever happened to you where you try to be something you're not. So you try, like for me, I, I try to be a fake out extrovert outgoing, right? You fake being an extrovert, you fake being outgoing, you show up at a networking event or a party and people don't even like that. And then you're like, wait, I'm trying to be something I'm not. And people don't even like that. So what's the point? And what actually was happening, I didn't realize this till many years later, is people could sense that fakeness. And research shows that we can smell out a fake smile. We can sense out, we can sense um, a sense of cover up or hiding something. We're actually quite adept at spotting lies, at least intuitively. And so I think the relief was actually, um, I'm so ready for something else. I love that. And this something else has led you into writing Captivate, I, which is like, honestly, one of my favorite books on the planet. And you already know this. Um, but I actually, so I want to dive deeper into what you were just saying, because you were saying, you know, we hide, right? We hide the things we're uncomfortable about. We try to put, especially if we're going on a first date or if we've got a job interview or, you know, whatever it is, we try to put our best, show up as our best. Now, when you're going to a job interview, you can choose the best clothes, you can choose your favorite outfit, you can fake the smile and you can walk in and try and say all the things you think you should say. 
Same with the date. But when you're at home, A, there's less that you can hide unless you use one of those Zoom blurs in the background or those fake backdrops. And actually, there's some science on this. This came out in March 2020, which I found very helpful. And they looked at a fake background, so a virtual background, a plain wall, or a real room. Can you guess which one um, across the board was ranked uh, the most favorable? Can you guess? Most favorable. I would say virtual background. So a real room by leaps and bounds. And by, by the way, I got this wrong too. And then second is a blank wall. And then last, and I mean dead last is a virtual background. Now here's here's where this gets interesting. And I, as soon as I, I was very surprised with this, and then as I began to think about it, I realized why. So what we don't realize with video calls, we think they're easier in some ways than real life. We're like, oh, I can like wear my slippers. And like right now I'm in full on athletic shorts because I know that you don't have to see them. I don't have to wear my Spanx today. <laughs> Woo! Like that's great, right? So I'm like, okay, that's easier. I'm barefoot in my shorts. So I think that's easier. And then I think, oh, you know, like it's just a video call. I hear that. It's just a video call. But here's the problem. When we talk about interaction, it's actually more cognitive load to go on a video call. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is in real interaction, we're getting lots of feedback loops. You're making eye contact with me. I'm making eye contact with you. Right now, I can see you nodding down there. But actually, I am not making eye contact with you. I'm making eye contact with the camera. And so I am working extra hard to have faith that you are seeing my eye contact, but actually you're down there. And that happens a lot, right? Like on every computer screen, no matter how big it is, the camera is slightly off center from eyes. So already you're adding a huge barrier to the oxytocin feedback loop, which is, and I love oxytocin. Where is she? She's right on my wall. (laughs) How much? These are my three favorite chemicals. So oxytocin is the chemical connection. So already we have a barrier to connection, right? Like the loop is not quite there. Second, our brains are working really hard to do what's called proto-conversation, which is a great word. It's basically what's happening underneath this conversation. So how many video calls start like this? Oh, uh, hi. 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 Yep. Yeah. (laughs) It's been good. Yeah, pretty good. How about you? And like, there's this very weird awkwardness. You're not able to handshake. You're not able to make eye contact. And so your brain is working extra hard to overcome all of those things. Or you have someone who goes, hi, I'm so happy to be here. And they don't sound happy at all. (laughs) They sound so unhappy. Like I do, I do a lot of video calls. I always have, but now I'm especially doing them a lot. And like my favorite is when someone's like, yeah, um, great to see you all. Great to have you all here. The biggest fake lie I've ever seen. And so you you feel really unwelcome when really what they're saying is, man, video calls suck. Mm. They might actually be happy to see you. What they're actually saying with their body, their nonverbal is giving away is, gosh, another video call, another video call. Mm. So that our brain is actually working way harder on a video call and a virtual background adds one Mm. more dimension hard. So I love that you and I both have a real background behind us. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of a set. Actually, you know, I do work on this desk. And that is helping our viewers be like, whew, at least we know where she is. Interesting. If it's a, if it's a virtual background, the brain is always like, what's going on back there? What's, hey, what's back there? And then, like, you know, someone makes a big hand gesture and you see just, like, a glimpse <laughs> of their window. Or, like, a glimpse of their child in the background. And you're like, ooh, I saw something real. Right? That's so true. 
right? Like I'm obsessed with seeing someone's real background because I want to be like, how messy is their living room? Right. Let's see. Right. But that's actually, so that's why I thought people were in more interested because it's like, oh, it shows personality, right? If like, if, if you, Vanessa and Lisa Bidlew were like, all right, switch off the cameras and let's all choose a virtual background. I'd be really interested to see what you choose because I think it shows a part of your personality. But I actually understand what you mean about seeing someone in a real space and it alleviates that one question mark. Okay, you actually bring up a really good point here. And whenever we're talking about human behavior, there's lots of subtlety. So let's get into this subtlety, which I love. So you said something super important that my choice Mm-hmm. of a virtual background is a lot about my personality, right? So there's two things at play. One is that your real background is saying things about your personality. Maybe not by mm-hmm. choice, maybe by choice. Like I love, I, you're surrounded by superheroes, which empowers me, which primes me, which tells me a lot about you. But a virtual background can also be moments of humor. Mm-hmm. It can also be moments of welcoming, welcoming. So I have three custom backgrounds that my team built for me. The first one, because I, occasionally I will use them in the right setting. So I have one that looks Do like a Do you have lab, them now? Right. Can you like click I, them I, on? I, yeah. This is this is my, my branding one. Okay. All right. See it? Okay, ready. Oh, all right. Very, very good brand. Yep. And here's my next one, which should be fine, which is just... A lab. A lab. Okay. A lab. Definitely you. Yeah. The next one. Can you, can you see what this is? I'm on the bachelor. Oh my God. <laughs> that, okay. So it really does show you your different personalities. Yes. And also I, I will often not use those for an entire call. So I'll use them to spice mm. up a call. I might use them in the very beginning to make someone laugh. I might use them after a break if I'm teaching. And so I think that Zoom background should be reserved for like attention moments. Like I want to engage. I want to teach something. But otherwise, if you can, a real room is worth it. Okay. That's amazing. And for someone, like if I'm looking at your room, it's very interesting, right? It's like, oh, what is that saying about her? I see serotonin behind her. I see dopamine, right? Like I I get exactly who you are by these three photos that you have behind you. But what about like, if I want to um, give a certain signal. So let's say I'm going for a job interview. I prob- I don't know if it's a great idea to have this background or a terrible idea because they're going to be like, oh my God, she's got Wonder Woman in the background. She's a child. I'm not hiring her. What do I have to know about my background? What do I have to consider being the person that wants to give across a certain, um, a certain characteristic? Yeah. So, okay, so there's a couple things here that I, I think I don't agree with the average person on this. I think that I'm going to give some weird advice, which is, I think that interviewers are doing hundreds, if not thousands of interviews right now. They are so tired of having the same interview with the same gray wall background or the same boring green screen background. And so on the one hand, I actually think that your background can be a way to differentiate yourself. So you might have an opportunity there to be like, I can show, I can show, not tell. Maybe there's something about my work or my personality, you know, okay, yes, you have a Wonder Woman doll behind you and maybe someone will think that's childish, but maybe they'll actually remember that or they'll say, hmm, I wonder why she chose to have that. I guess like that's sort of her, her superpower personality. So you can use it, I think, as a way to wake up the brain. The other thing you can do is use it as a teaching material for you. So if you know that in the interview, you're going to be talking about a time where you experienced hardship right? Things like that come up all the time or uh, a previous company you worked at or your university. Why not have your degree behind you? Why not have a picture from a trip that you did that you organized yourself? Why not have uh, an award that you did? You know, I I don't know if you can see it. 
but like this is one of my YouTube awards oh. and actually um, you're um, from uh, Tom's podcast downstairs in my other film studio. I have my Impact Theory Awards. That's amazing. Yeah, they're in my office. And so, and that's great. And people bring them up and talk about them. Also, you're going to have in an interview, no matter how structured it is, a little bit of banter, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're worried about small talk, you're setting I call these context cues. Context cues are the perfect conversation starters. So instead of how are you? Don't ask that one. Where are you from? We've answered it a million times before. You can say, oh my gosh, that's so cool. That's Wonder Woman. And what's that little pink ball? Is that a, is it anime? Is that manga? Right. We can talk about either they can talk about your background or you can talk about theirs. And so I have like all kinds of weird props like in my office that I'll bring up randomly in different things because I know that it's going to give us a context cue. So I would say your background is actually a hidden asset. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. 
That's, I love that perspective. And the question actually is that little Teddy that you just held up. Did, did you already have it? Like how much should you dress quote unquote your background versus no, this is the real me. Like, do you think that I'm always the person that's put your honest foot forward because at least they're judging me on my honesty. And if they don't like Wonder Woman, then to be honest, screw you. I'm not coming, you know, I, then we, we don't mesh. You're not, yes, yeah. yes, yes, exactly. Okay. So just like, would you consider it fake or lying if you put on makeup before a job interview? No. Mm-hmm. In fact, you're getting for a job interview. You're highlighting your best features, right? Like you're not showing up as you wake up in the morning, right? It's the same thing with your background. Yes. Is it more authentic to have your living room as it was this morning after breakfast or like before you went to bed? Yes, that could be considered more authentic, but it's the same thing of not waking up and then hopping on a video call. Yes, that's more authentic, but it's not putting your best self forward. So yeah, I say your house is your other face. I mean, truly, right? Like now your Zoom background is an integral part of your first impression. We talked about first impressions, I think in our last interview, and now it's We've, we've added in a layer, added on a layer. Your first impression is your nonverbal. It's your facial expressions. It's your voice tone. Um, it's our symbols or our emblems. And now it's also our context cues. What about your Zoom background? What is that saying about you? If you're super conscientious, I highly recommend putting a bookshelf behind you with your true favorite books, authentic air books, color coded. Mm-hmm. Right? Like what a better way to show that you're highly organized with what you really read or Let's say that it's it's your family home, you're in the dining room, and you do have two kids, maybe you have one piece of their art, and then maybe your degree on your wall, and then like a beautiful plant that you have been, you know, growing from a seed. Those are all great context cues, and they're still you, but it's like putting makeup on your house, and it, mm. it's just as important in your face. I love that. Um, and I actually want to go back to something that you had said, like, below, right, because a lot of us now, we only see from the waist up. Um a lot of time, yeah, I'm like wearing shorts. I've got flip-flops on. Sometimes I'm, I've got like a, my bikini bottom on if I've just been outside trying to get some vitamin D. Like, But the thing <laughs> is, it does affect how I feel, which means mm. that it affects how I show up on a call. So part of me is like, is that like, should we completely dress up in moments that we want to really influence our, um, you know, our, 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 our I don't like to say performance, but the way we show up. Yeah, there is science on this. Um, they found that when they put people in lab coats, even when they're not doctors, they're not researchers, <laughs> they act more professionally. When people dress more formally, they rise to the occasion. So there's a fine line here is, yes, like for example, I'm wearing my athletic shorts, but I'm wearing earrings, which I don't ever wear unless I'm on video, right? Like, right. I'm, I, like I never, I'm wearing a bra for you, Lisa. Like, it's a big, <laughs> it's a really I'm wearing big one for you, girl. <laughs> like a bra of signals to my brain, girl, we're doing something important because I'm never in one otherwise. Like that's enough. Like that's enough for my brain. If I'm in earrings and a bra, my brain's like, bring it, bring it, bring your A game. I don't need to be in heels. So you have to know for you what's your triggers. I'm going to give you one other secret little tip. So not only am I wearing an earring and bras for, bra for you, I'm also wearing perfume. So one thing that I have noticed... Yeah, in um, social distancing is, so I've, I've stopped using my purse and I've stopped wearing heels, right? Mm. And the idea of wearing heels on a call like this, I'm at a standing desk, which is really important for my, oh. for, I notice it affects my vocal power. Um, but if I'm in heels, oof, 
I start thinking about my feet. I get distracted. I want to sit down. I slump. I lean. So I was like, what's another thing that I haven't been using? And I realized I haven't worn perfume in, in so long. I, I, I don't go out. So now whenever I do podcasts or webinars or trainings, I always put just a little bit of perfume um, on my pulse points for me just so I can feel like I've brought my A game, my A game. And smell is so important for our creativity and our learning. It's why hotels spend- Oh, sorry, this guy's come outside my window with- Excuse me, excuse me, we're filming. And you quiet, please, for one hour. Thank you so much. Ah, see, in fact, you want to talk about having to deal with the realities of doing an interview when working from home. My gardener had the bl air blower outside. Okay. Okay. By the way, like that's, we should keep that in because it's so real because that's going to happen in your interviews, right? That's going to happen in your trainings. And the way that you handle that is actually scientifically proven to be amazing. And I'm going to give you two oh, examples. Yes. Mm -hmm. So one study they did, um, they had um, students listen to recordings. And in the first group, they listened to a recording of, I believe it was a job interview. So a man answering questions about himself and it went great. He answered a couple questions and, and the listeners rated him on, you know, competence and likability and warmth, things that interviewers listen for. In the second recording, it was the exact same recording, exact same man. But at the very end of the interview, he spills his coffee. You can hear him spill his coffee and um, he ruins his suit. That version of the interview got higher ratings than the first version. And so I think we like to think that we should show up perfect. And this is, you know, going back to the very beginning of the interview when I talked about I was just so tired of hiding. When I stopped hiding and I started saying I'm in bike shorts and like I don't wear bras and I'm super awkward and that Zoom background's backwards, like whatever it was, like mistake. <laughs> Instead of like agonizing over it or trying to prevent it from happening, I realized that actually it's so real that people go, whew, she's human. <laughs> and the other issue here, and this is really important, a very specific tip for both dates and interviews. Are you ready? It's going to surprise you. Okay. I'm so ready. So this is called the other shoe effect. This was a game changer in the way that I do both interviews and meetings. So the biggest worry for people on dates or on interviews is the one bad thing about their past. And everyone has a perceived one bad thing about their past. Maybe for someone it's a bad relationship. Maybe for someone it was getting fired from a previous job or a bad grade or whatever it was. And so we all have this kind of like this, oh, this secret thing that we hold. And it makes us very nervous. We're worried. When is it going to come out? Is it going to come out? Is it going to be a deal breaker? So not only does that make us nervous, the other person also is thinking, what's wrong with this person? And this is called the other shoe effect. In other words, when is the other shoe going to drop? And so in a really good date or a really good interview, the longer the date goes on, the more the other person is thinking, what's wrong with this person? Why is he single? Why is this person not hired? And they get very distracted by that. And you go, oh God, is that thing going to come up? Is that thing going to come up? Is that thing going to come up? Should I bring it up? Should I bring it up? Am I, maybe I shouldn't bring it up. And so when that disclosure, whatever that disclosure is, comes towards the end of an interview, the interviewer rates that interviewee worse. When it comes up at the beginning of an interview, the interviewer rates that person better. In other words, if you have something that's making you very nervous, you're better off just dropping the shoe. 
not like right when you get on the Zoom call, but in the first, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, or I would say the first half of the interview, you are actually better at proactively dropping the shoe, so to say, because it's going to come out and at least it's not going to distract them from your charisma. Oh my God, that's amazing. I really love to live in the world that is versus the world that I wish it should be. And so you were the one that actually told me that stat that I read at the beginning, that the internet can have a 1.2 second delay, can actually perceive you as less nice. Um, and so I really wanna talk about that because it's really, like I wish it wasn't true, but I live in the world where it is. So now I wanna go, okay, Vanessa Van Edwards, help. How on earth do I, compensate, let's say, for that 1.2 second delay, because if I'm not being perceived the way I want to, now I need to know how can I accurately be perceived the way my intention is? So yeah. how do I compensate that? Two things here that we should be very aware of in video calls. Again, the way that it really is, not the way that we wish it could be, which is uh, first what you mentioned, that a 1.2 second delay uh, makes you seem less likable. And the reason for this, by the way, is because our brain is again trying to read the other person. So if I make a joke, and then I don't see you laugh until delay. I'm like, oh, and then that's a delay. And so it's actually, it's, it's, the problem is it creates incongruency where my face and my words aren't matching. And so that makes the other person feel like you're lying. That's what happens. You have this incongruence in your face. So um, one is um, I'm a big fan of if it's really delayed in the first few seconds, I say, hey, let's just hop on just audio. There is no reason that you have to stay on video and you're actually doing yourself and them a huge favor of getting off a bad video stream. So that's the first thing. <laughs> the second thing is if you're going to do that, you're, if you're going to stay on video because you have to, know that there's a delay and then slow down your speaking pace. So I'm a very fast talker. But if I know I'm on a really big video feed, I think I'm slowing it down so you can kind of see how that goes. So a couple weeks ago, I did a presentation for about 17,000 people. And I knew, I knew there was going to be a big delay. And I had translators going. So it was going out to 17,000 people in probably about 10 countries. It was a training for Amazon. And I knew that they were simultane simultaneously translating me. And so I immediately, I, I thirded my presentation. So it was a lot shorter. I had less to get through. And I worked really hard on just slowing down my pace, still being natural, but just slowing it down, taking more pauses to think, taking more pauses to make my point. And this really helps. Now I'm going to go back to my mm -hmm. regular speaking speed. This really helped align my words a little bit closer with my nonverbal. So if you're going to do that, at least slow down. The second thing is, and this is so weird, the other reason why we get Zoom fatigue, and Zoom fatigue is real, right? Like it's it, video calls take endurance and stamina. You have to train for them just like you do a marathon <laughs> or lifting weights. One of the reasons for this is because it triggers the fear part of your brain and a very specific part of your brain. And that's because when we are on video call, now Lisa and I both have a good setup. So Lisa and I are about uh, I would say at least I'm about maybe two feet away from my camera. How far are you from your camera? Yeah, about yeah. three, probably. Close yeah. to three. Okay, per perfect. So total, we're about five to six feet away, which is perfect because this is a study of proxemics. Proxemics is the distance between people. And there are four different zones of proxemics. The public zone, the social zone, the personal zone, and the intimate zone. So five to six feet away, perfect. That's called the personal zone. When you're chatting with someone, you're getting to know them, you're safe with them, you're in that, that personal zone. 
when you're in an intimate zone, you're doing one of two things. One, you're about to kiss or two, you're about to get an argument or a fight. Mm. So when people get really heated, they, you know, have you ever seen guys like, what, 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 what? And they get really close to the camera. That was probably a horrible visual. I, I apologize for everyone watching. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, like they, they like, they tilt their chin like that, like, mm, 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 like that. And then they like get really close. And then like, you see guys who are like this close and you're like, are they going to make out? <laughs> about to argue with each other. And that is because as a territorial cue, we get really close and we're trying to threaten the other person. Mm. So if you, if your camera set up where you're really close to the camera, like your face is in it and you can just see your face. Yeah. It triggers. Isn't that uncomfortable, Lisa? Hmm. I don't know because it's you not as uncomfortable, but if it was a stranger, you want to make out, (laughs) you know, I love you. This interview is going in a totally different direction. <laughs> but 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 the thing is, in fact, I actually want to stop this right now though and say we connected just now because we're good friends, because we just did that. We both went forward, we made a joke. Like I actually really felt super connected from with you just now. So I know you were yeah. probably saying about it being threatened, but going back to the kissing, I actually felt like me and you were just very um yeah, connected and intimate in like the most beautiful way. Yeah, I actually, I totally agree. And it can go either way, right? So mm-hmm. if you're on a work call, it <laughs> yeah. often will go the negative way, right? Like it's it's like you're, you don't want to be that close to your colleague or your boss. And so what, the reason I say this is a really easy fix is you just need to make sure. And I, I, if we can, like everyone should be showing like at least this much of their body, mm. right? So like a, a little bit more of your chest and shoulders so you can see shoulder movement. If, so you can see the top of hand gestures. Like I don't need to have your hands in the shot all times, but at least when you're making a gesture, you can kind of see it. So not just this, because you're actually triggering the other person's fight or flight when you do that. That's fascinating. Um, makes complete sense. Talk to me actually about hand gestures, um, because I think it was you that told me the study about TEDx. And so if you can quickly mm-hmm. explain that, it's so fascinating. That stuck with me when I heard you say it um, and why it's important. Yeah, sure. So yeah, that was our study. We uh, wanted to know if hand gestures matter. And one thing that the study research is very clear on is that visible hands make us feel more relaxed. So I I start every single one of my video calls the same way. And please, please do this, whether it's a job interview, an online date, a call with your friends. I start every single video like this. Hey, morning. Good to see you. Hey, team. And the reason for this is because um, from, from our kind of Um, evolutionary instincts, when we see a stranger, we want to know if they're carrying a rock or a spear. And so if you see my hands empty, it's like I'm a friend, not foe. And also a hand is an intention cue. We use our hands to point. So when I point there, you really want to look there. We use our hands to greet someone, to wave or to handshake. Um, And also it's, they are our deadliest weapons. So we are very aware of where someone's hands are and what they're doing. So I always knew that visible hands were important. And I noticed that most TED speakers, the best TED speakers, they come out on stage the same way. They usually walk onto stage and they show their hand, 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 friend, 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 friend. The second thing that we discovered in our study was that they also are using explanatory gestures. So they're speaking to their audience on two tracks. They say their words and they outline them with their hands. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I were to say, today I have a really, really big idea. It's huge. Your brain is like looking at my fingers. You're like, what? Like that doesn't look very big at all. And that's because your brain looks to hand gestures to get confirmation, explanation, 
highlight. And so when you're in a video call, if I'm really close to the camera and I'm making gestures that are really important over here, your brain can't see them versus when I'm here and I'm saying, you know, Lisa, let's talk about um, three different phases. So phase number one is this one. And phase number two is this one, phase number three. You immediately can follow exactly where I am and it's, it lightens your cognitive load. Mm. So if you're explaining highly technical concepts or you want your team to remember something and you're just using your words, it's like taking away pictures. Mm -hmm. We always love mm -hmm. the pictures. And so adding your hands adds a dimension to your communication that helps your listener. That's so fascinating. I am like going to be the beast on Zoom after this meeting, after this interview. Um, so talk to me then about dating online. So if you're just starting to date someone, right, it's um, you have the like, oh, first date. They say you shouldn't sleep with someone on the first date, right? Rules of the second date. So there's like these, uh, these unspoken or unspoken rules that you, people choose to follow or not. Online, it's a whole freaking new game because there's no opportunity to then see that person um, in real life, at least right now. So what are the things that people should be looking for, um, bearing in mind, when do you take the camera to the bedroom? Like all of this is actually real that I, I wouldn't even have a clue where to start. And that's not because I've been married, but because it's such a new world. Yeah, so here's the good news. I think this is the best opportunity for dating that's come since dating apps. And the reason for that is because we've thrown out all the rules. You can't go out to dinner. There's no in-person meeting for a long time. You can't test physical chemistry for a long time. You get to create your own rules. Now, this is only going to last for the next few months. I think that actually rules are going to be start norms and rules are already being created, but we have this very magical window where you can create your own rules. And so what I want you to think about here, and this is what I've been talking to all my dating students about is you should create your dating rules based on your personality. So if you're an introvert, you want to pick rules of engagement that work for your personality. If you're an extrovert, you want to design rules of engagement that work with your personality. So I'll, I'll take a, a really easy example. So let's say that you're an extrovert and you are desperately missing people. You can make it so that you immediately find a game app that uses a little bit of video. So as soon as you meet someone on a dating app or you're introduced to someone, you can say, hey, one of the first things I like to do with people to get, get to know them is play on this app. And that way, it's very extroverted, it's very expressive, it's very engaging, and you're hopping on video right away. So I know a lot of extroverts tell me, you know, I kind of know within the first few minutes of being on video, I don't want to spend five days chatting, I'd rather just hop on video. Cool, create that as a rule of engagement and find a way to make that natural. Hopping from dating app to video call, big jump. Hopping from dating app to game app, less of a jump. Hopping from dating app to sending a video, and now I'm getting to my introverts. So let's say for introverts, you're like, oof, a video call is too much, too fast, and like playing a game app, not a chance. I wouldn't even do that with my closest friends. But typically introverts like to observe first or have prepared social interactions. So you might be better off leaving very short video messages where you're controlling the lighting, you can refilm it as many times as you want. It's very short. And so, you know, for that, for that one, your rule of engagement is pretty much on the first day. If you're interested in someone, you pop up in your app and you're like, Hey, just wanted to say hi. And I uh, can't wait to get to know you. Talk to you soon. Bye. That's it. In the hopes that they will also send one back. And if they don't, that should tell you something about them. And if they do, 
that should tell you something about them. So you get to create your own landscape here, whether that's gaming apps or sending a video or hopping on video. Um, I think that's the exciting part of what's happening right now, and we should be taking advantage of it. That's fascinating. Um, you'd given us some conversation starters, coming on and waving, using your body language. I think that's amazing. Um, but there are a lot of other things that I just find like really weird. Sometimes there's um, an uncomfortable silence. For some reason on Zoom, it, it feels worse than when it's in person because maybe in person you can, you know, go and hug them or, you know, give them a hand gesture or, you know, something like that. But on Zoom, it's kind of like you're just staring at each other. Um, also, um, cues when they're not interested, because if there is that, you know, 1.2 second delay that can change the way you're interpreting things, if I'm interpreting you to be uninterested in what I'm saying, how do I know that's actually accurate? Or how do I know that's the internet delay? Um, or how do I know, okay, they really are uninterested. You should hang up now. Yeah. So there's a lot, so that we could, we could talk about that for probably four hours, right? Like there's, there's so much in there, but what I'll say is I actually like using aids. So the one thing that you, again, new opportunity, right? We're talking like wild west. You can do whatever you want on these zoom calls because there is no rules yet or in these video calls. Mm -hmm. So for example, it would be weird if you were on a first date and there was an awkward silence and then you were like, Hey, um, I have this box of conversation starters that I brought. Like that would be, they'd be like, um, what? Like who carries a box of conversation starters? But now, and I do this in my meetings, if you're on a video call with, for the first time with someone and you're chatting and there's a lull, you can say, Hey, I know this is so weird, but I have this like box I've been keeping here for conversation starters. Do you want to do one? People are so much more open-minded now than before because they've never done this before. Mm -hmm. And so you get to create the rules. So I would have a box of conversation starters right there. I would have a couple of fun props right next to you. I would have like an interesting drink. So like right now I'm drinking water. If I was actually dating, you can bet I would have some interesting drinks. So maybe like a smoothie that I made and I'd be like, oh, I'm drinking a smoothie. And that gives them a, a little push to be like, oh, really? What kind of smoothie? Oh, you know, I love creating these really interesting drinks or like a unique martini. You actually can use your environment ahead of time, which you don't get to do in real life, right? In real life, you have to go to a restaurant or it's all like pre-prescribed and everyone has the same things they have to order. At home, you can have a fun drink. You can have a fun snack. You can say, hey, do you want to hop on um, video? We can make tacos together. Like what? You can, you can do anything, right? And so also think about like creating learning together where maybe you watch something at the same time or, you know, you say, hey, I've been taking a sushi making class and I was going to make sushi for myself tonight. Do you want to join me for a virtual sushi date? You should order sushi and then I'll make some and then I'll, I'll show you how I, how I make it. It's a totally different game and that means you get to be super creative. So what I would say is like set yourself up for success, have props, have conversation starters, have things in your background that you know people are going to ask about. Like if you, by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to share a pet peeve. This is a, a huge pet peeve of mine. So I was on a video call the other day and someone had, a, I won't say what it was because I don't want them to watch this, a <laughs> unique prop behind them. Okay. A unique okay. prop. And I was like, Oh, wow. What is that unique prop from? He was like, oh, that old thing. <laughs> it was from a trip I took back in the day. Why? Why would you set someone up to ask a question and then not reply with a freaking great story? So if you have something in your background or on your desk that you don't want someone to ask about and you don't have a great story ready, shame on you. 
because that's actually, you're taking away a gift from them, right? Like I saw something in his background. I wanted to learn about him. And then he totally threw it away. And I was like, well, then why do you have it in your background? You shouldn't have that back there if you don't want to talk about it. And if you're tired of talking about things in your background, if you've overdone it on video calls, switch it out, friend. Mm -hmm. Switch it out. It's like wearing the same outfits every networking event. Switch it up. I love that so much. Oh, go, go, go. I literally could keep talking to you for hours. Everything you have said is so tactical. What, um, what new thing are you guys working on? What new study are you doing? How can we, um, what can we expect? Where can we follow you? Yes. Okay. So, uh, I've now everyone's doing virtual everything. I just came out with a presentations course, specifically video presentations and regular presentations like the, the intermixed. I think that the way that our work is going to go is everything's going to be hybrid. So you might go into a boardroom and four people will be there and 10 people will be on zoom mm -hmm. or you do your entire typical sales presentation all over video and slides. Or um, you meet with one client and one client's on the phone. And so um, this is the first time I've ever done a course. We literally just launched it last week on presentation skills, in-person, virtual, and hybrid. So uh, definitely check that out. And then we are working on, I'm working on some new, very big new research that I'm hoping will be published maybe in a couple of seasons, but I'll keep you posted on it. And we're all, everything, everything always at scienceofpeople.com and our YouTube channel is uh, Vanessa Van Edwards amazing amazing i can't wait to see what you've got coming up girl you know i freaking adore you support everything that you do um guys guys honestly drop in the comments below actually which tip and tactic you found the most impactful because i'm super curious she gave so much freaking gold just now like there's <laughs> so much there Honestly, we're, we're, we've entered a new way of life, a new way of doing things. Um, your spirit, your takeaways, your tactics are all so beautiful and is needed in the world today. So girl, thank you so much for coming on. Oh gosh, thank you so much for giving me a, a space to share this. I hope that people who are listening, if, if you're feeling like, oh, like how long is this gonna go on? I wanna share that I think that this is the time where people are more open-minded than ever. People are looking for more empathy and compassion. And so if you can come at, at it from a place of how can I serve? How can I try something different? How can I create new opportunities? How can I rewrite the rules? I think that there could be a lot of tremendous growth that happens in this very, very difficult period. And I'm here to keep um, helping to keep sharing the tips. I've made it my mission that um, every single post that we put up is going to be helpful and relevant for right now. Um, and so um, any way that I can help pop in the comments if there's more that you want me to research or look up. And Lisa, thank you so much for always so kindly sharing your platform with me. Oh, girl, it's a true, true honor. Guys, guys, go check out this woman. Check out her website. Check out the interview that I did with her about a year ago. Um, that was freaking fire. And guys, seriously, until next time, be the hero of your own life. Peace out.